As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome, listeners, to this week's episode. My name is Valencia. And my name is Nakia, and we are the Truth Expositors. This podcast has been brought to you by One One Outreach Christian Ministries, where we seek daily to preach the gospel, spread the love of Christ, and advance the kingdom of God. We aim to abolish false doctrine, theology, and all false teachings that contradict the word of God. We will be providing in-depth explanations, overviews, and scripture to explain some of the most misunderstood truths in the Bible. And today, we will be talking about the Holy Spirit. So for this week's podcast, we're going to continue to talk and discuss uh, the Holy Spirit. Last week, we discussed um, who the Holy Spirit was, what his role was, and we got a little bit into talking about um, grieving him. This week, I want to answer your question, Valencia, and also get a little bit more in depth uh, about the Holy Spirit. So, uh, so Kay, I want to ask you um, if maybe there's a believer out there that maybe not hearing for God or um, has grieved the Holy Spirit or Christ or going down that path. How can you get back on the right track or can you? Well, Valencia, first, let me just say that God's people knows his voice. You know, the word of God says that the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd um, and they follow him. So a believer not hearing from God is troublesome to me because uh, I don't I wholeheartedly don't believe that there is a believer that's not hearing from God. Now, I do believe that for reasons that God knows and probably the uh, believer, God may indeed turn his face, um, in a sense, against them because of some unrepented sin the believer may uh, harbor. Um, So for a believer not hearing from God, even if it's because they have grieved the Holy Spirit, I believe um, that a true believer can get back on the right path. Now, I say all these things uh, loosely because, um, you know, no 
no Christian wants to hear that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, but I think, again, any believer can really get back on the right path simply by stopping from grieving and grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's, it's a simple about face. It's a simple 180 turn. It's a simple act of repentance, truly being remorseful over um, your actions and your deeds. Um, because, you know, as Christians, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you stop hearing from God because you have quenched the Holy Spirit and have grieved the Holy Spirit, the absence of God's face or his presence should be enough to get our attention as true Christians. You know, I, I, I don't really see a true believer who has known the presence of God to be content um, in so much in sin that they don't recognize uh, the fact that they have grieved the Holy Spirit and they are not hearing from God. So again, this is very sensitive. It's very problematic, uh, I believe. And maybe we're going to get some flack for it, but I believe to get on the right path, even after you grieve the Holy Spirit, repent of your sin. And that means to repent, to, to um, ask for forgiveness of your sin, to recognize that you've sinned, Ask for forgiveness and turn away from that sin and turn to uh, Jesus Christ, God, for forgiveness of sin and leaving that alone. And I do want to note here that um, it is different from what the Bible tells us as blaspheming the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, Jesus was talking about how um, every kind of sin and slander will be forgiven, but blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Uh, anyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, even in this age or in the age to come. That is found in Matthew chapter 12, verses 25 through 29. So here uh, it's a bit different than a Christian uh, grieving or um, quenching the Holy Spirit. Uh, blasphemy in this context is basic, uh, basically as defiant irreverence, meaning that this individual is straight cursing God, um, hates God, sinning willfully and degrading the things relating to God. This is Valencia, a straight up sinner. This is what I believe differentiates, um, a believer, um, quenching, and, um, and quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit, uh, the believer uh, will will find repentance if they repent of their sins. Anyone who blasphemes the, the Holy Spirit cannot be a Christian uh, because of what they are doing, uh, being completely defiant and re absolutely refusing to give God the proper reverence and respect. That's what that means, Um and I think that's a key difference, you know, because no true believer really will be defiant to Almighty God, to the Holy Spirit. So, Valencia, in the New Testament, we hear a lot about, um, actually, it started even from Acts when the Holy Spirit uh, came at Pentecost on the disciples. Uh, we hear a lot about... Um, what it is by the Apostle Paul, really, namely in the New Testament, what it is to walk in the Spirit. So, uh, if it's possible, can you please uh, give us a little insight on what it means to walk in the Spirit? Uh, what a Christian 
refers to um, a walk or we often uh, hear it in the Bible. It's just a metaphor for like practical daily living. Um, with the Christian life, um, it's, it's a journey. And, you know, we're able, when we're supposed to walk, um, to walk that journey. So it's making that consistent forward progress. Um, so when you hear, you know, a lot of believers say, you know, walking in spirit, you know, that's what they're referring to. It, in Galatians 5.25, it says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And when it means to walk in the spirit, it basically means everything, the opposite of everything we've been talking about, which is grieving the spirit and quenching the spirit. And that's when we're, you know, we're not getting that, um, we're not in the presence of God. We're not in the presence of the spirit. So when we're walking in the spirit, we have that continued presence of the spirit of God. Uh, we're allowing him to, um, we're yielding to his control. We're following his lead and we're allowing him to exert his influence over us. So um, I think Galatians 5 pretty much explains it, um, how the Holy Spirit work, um, works, I'm sorry, in the life of a believer. Um, it talks about in Galatians 5, 5, those who walk in the spirit eagerly, eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Um, also, if we look in um, verse 16, it says, Also those who walk in the Spirit will not gratify the desires of the, fret, of the flesh. So, we're talking about the flesh. We're talking about our fallen nature under the power of sin. And that's in direct conflict with the Spirit. So, when we allow the flesh to control our everyday life, then, you know, we're going to start sinning. You know, we're going to start giving in to those uh, fleshly desires. But when the spirit is in control, he's able to produce those godly qualities within us. So when it says, um, when we have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, which is in verse 24, um, it's referring to giving in to those desires, those fleshly desires. Um, and then in verse 25, it says, now we walk in the spirit. So we're turning away from that. Um, so those who walk in the Spirit are united with with Him, and uh, we bear the fruit that the Spirit produces. So uh, we are able to see us walking in love, um, walking in joy, in peace, patience. You know, we're no longer um, allowing anxiety and the worries of the world overtake us. So you kind of see it in the end. You know that a believer is producing that fruit because you see it in their actions. You know, they're no longer walking around... Um, you know, down. Um, they're not letting um, the everyday, um, you know, world overtake them. You know, they're they're giving into. Uh, they're not giving into those fleshy desires. They're allowing the spirit to take control. So whatever goes on in that day doesn't affect them. You know, they're able to live out um, that fruit. So, um, so we have that self control. You know, we're no longer letting one little thing, you know, make us uh, get out of character. So, and, you know, other people, non-believers are able to see that. And we're pretty much um, showing, you know, we're showing them Jesus just by how we're, um, you know, living our life. Just by our actions. You know, when they see that uh, we don't let uh, whatever, you know, happen at home affect us on the job. Um, we don't let what maybe... Um, one bad thing affect our day. Relying on the Holy Spirit to guide the guidance in thought, word, and deed. So, 
we're able to show that, you know, in our life. We, we don't even have to speak a word. Um, we let that reflect in our actions. So pretty much to walk in the spirit, you know, it says to be filled with the spirit. Um, and we're showing that um, that joy. Uh, we're following the spirit's lead. We're letting the um, the word of the word of Christ um, dwell in us. So we're um, so pretty much when we walk in the spirit, those sinful appetites of the flesh no longer have control over us. We're not giving into those strongholds. We're able to over overcome those because we're letting God, um, the spirit of God, uh, control us and. Um, we're able to produce that godly fruit. So that pretty much is what it means to walk in the spirit. And uh, Kia, we also hear terms um, such as, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, being slain in the spirit. Um, can you go over or pretty much explain what that means? Valencia, thank you for that. I very much enjoyed listening to you as you describe um, what walking in the spirit entails. Like you said, it is a metaphor. Um, for a Christian to uh, live daily for him. Um, you mentioned being filled with the Spirit. Um, also, just want to add, um, being filled with the Spirit, in the, like you said, found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, um, I believe it's a continual thing for a Christian. It's just not a one-time thing in which we are all saved and we're instantly filled with the Spirit of God always. You know, I, I, it's true that at the time of our conversion, at the time we accept Jesus Christ, that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as our guarantee of eternal life. However, we must seek God by the power of the Spirit daily. Paul said in Ephesians uh, 5 uh, verse 1 that, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear, as dear children. And, you know, in order to be imitators of God, that means we must Walk in his love, his light, and his wisdom, which means we must walk in his spirit. It's only by the spirit of God uh, who enables us to walk in love, to walk in light, and to walk in wisdom. And that really is to say that the spirit helps us not to walk as we used to walk when we were walking in darkness. Now we walk in light. Um, where we used to walk in hatred. Um, and anger. Now we walk in love and um, where we used to walk in, in the foolishness of our own sinful desires. Now we walk in the wisdom in the revelation of God. And it's amazing that the Bible also points out that we ought to always pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That is the role of the Holy Spirit to give every believer wisdom and revelation of God's word which is also one of the, um, in my opinion, one of the other 10 uh, roles of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, you asked, what does it really mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I think, I wholeheartedly really kind of believe that being filled um, with the Holy Spirit means that you are yielded to Him. You are completely yielded to Him, for Him to to completely occupy and rule every aspect of your life. You know, when we are saved, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have him. He is our guarantee that we have eternal life. But there is a point in time, which is probably most instantaneously, that we must choose daily to let him 
to yield to him and to completely let him rule every aspect of our lives. That means in our relationships, that means in marriages, that means at work, that means in school, that means everywhere, the grocery store, when someone cuts you off in the road, that's always, we must always yield to the Holy Spirit. And I think that what is grieves him, um, when we choose our own way instead of choosing his way. And that's why I think that to be filled with him is more than a daily decision. It's a, it's like a every second decision because every second can change. We're faced with countless decisions in one given day. And when we are faced with the choice of pleasing ourselves or pleasing the Holy Spirit, we must yield to the Holy Spirit by choosing his will in his way. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, I've been on the scripture uh, in Psalms nineteen fourteen, and it says, may the words of, a, of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, this is the, this should be the heart cry of every believer that, that even the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart, the, the meditations of our heart is what people don't see, but the spirit sees clearly. Let all. Let what I do outwardly and what I do inwardly and think inwardly be pleasing to the Lord. That's how we ought to be. And the only way we can be pleasing to him is by yielding to him every second of every day and every decision. And that means to be filled with him. Now, you asked the second question about being slain in the spirit. I'm going to touch on this quite briefly um, because I think this is probably a, a lot more interesting um, uh, topic to go into probably in another podcast, but to be slain in the spirit. You know, we see this in the charismatic churches. We see this in the, um, a lot of Pentecostal churches. I was raised non-denominational, but we've mainly always have gone to Pentecostal churches. And what I've always been accustomed to seeing is people being slain in the spirit. I will admit I was one of those individuals that when I go up to the altar and people lay hands on me, not everybody got to lay their hands on me, but when the, the preacher speaker laid their hands on me, not always, but I've, I can recall falling backwards a couple of times. Now this is problematic because there's nowhere in the Bible that, um, that promotes being slain in the spirit. Um, and, and it's very awkward for me to really talk about this, but I'm glad we are getting this opportunity. Being slain in the spirit, essentially people um, relate that to being the Holy Spirit taking over you and you fall backwards and you're now in the spirit. You're now in some kind of trance. But in all reality is that one is not in the word of God of anyone being slain in the spirit. But it's also, I don't believe it's, it's godly. And as someone that has experienced this, I can say from my perspective that being slain in the spirit was nothing more than a hyper sensitive, hyper um, charismatic, hyper um, emotional moment uh, in which I felt really, really, really good, (laughs) you know, in that moment of worship. And I've seen people um, getting their... uh, Uh, people laying their hands on others and seeing them go back. So from my perspective, um, I fell back 
for two reasons. I was hyper emotional, hyper active, hypersensitive or whatever. And I also didn't want to be the one that didn't go down. You know what I mean? So it's amazing how us humans can mimic other uh, socially acceptable behaviors. So um, I don't believe being slain in the spirit is biblical. I have not come across any passage of scripture that supports being slain in the spirit. I want to really encourage our listeners to uh, fact check that because it is not in God's word. And I am so inclined to believe that it is something false that is being practiced in Pentecostal churches, charismatic churches, um, even um, whatever Bethel is. I don't know what Bethel church is or anything like that, but um, these churches that give extra roles to the Holy Spirit that is not written in the word of God. You know, God has outlined plenty of roles that the Holy Spirit um, participates in that basically that's what the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit slaining people in his spirit is, is not one of them. Kind of going back to being filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, when we allow the Holy Spirit to cover every aspect of who we are and control um, our every, not only actions, but our thoughts and our emotions, you know, yielding to the Holy Spirit helps produce the fruits of the Spirit. You know, it's, it's kind of like when you think about it in agricultural terms, you know, how can good, um, how can anything grow at a bad soil? You know, how can the Holy Spirit produce spirit-filled fruits if he doesn't have um, cultivated, yielded, um, fertile ground to work in? And I think that really tells a lot about the believer. If we're not producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, then I have to really question, and I'm, I'm talking to myself when I say this, I have to question um, our, our, our soil. You know what I mean? I have to question how filled we are with him, how yielded we are to him. You know, there is nothing in this world that's worth more um, than to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. I've given up my right to be my own God, so to speak. Um, I know that in myself, I can do nothing. Um, at best, my best efforts, and I trust me, I work hard and I go hard, but my best efforts of going hard, I, it produces nothing. So I know for sure that being yielded to the Holy Spirit is the best way to go. It's the only way to go, truly. Um, if you um, are a Christian, and definitely if you are to um, please him. So Valencia, we've talked about um, the fruit of the Spirit a couple of times already. So let me ask you a question. What does it mean? What are the, the fruits of the Spirit? And why do you think these uh, spiritual fruits are um, beneficial for the believer? Galatians 5, 22 to 23 pretty much sums up, you know, what the fruits of the Spirit are. Um, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Um, so... What the fruit of the spirit is not something that can be produced by, you know, a Christian alone. Um, it's something that is produced by the spirit. So, you know, as we continue to grow in Christ, um, we're able to see these characteristics being um, pretty much manifested in our lives.
um, just like with any fruit, we need, um, it needs, it takes time, you know, for it to grow. It's not something that can happen, you know, overnight. And that's the same with um, the fruits of the Spirit. It's not something that, you know, is going to come overnight, but it's something that we have to continue to do, um, continue to work at, um, continue to rely on the Spirit so we're able to produce that, you know, in our lives. So we have to get rid of all those, you know, bad habits uh, or, you know, old self, our um, sinful desires. Um, and this is an everyday process, something that, you know, is definitely going to take time. You know, the great thing about it is that, you know, we don't have to do this on our own. You know, the Holy Spirit gives us the power that we need to, you know, reject the, our old lives, our old sinful desires. Uh, we're able to, you know, say no to sin and, you know, accept the power of the Holy Spirit, accept God's way. So we're able to, um, you know, grow. You know, as we give the Spirit more control, as we, you know, as I was saying in the last um, question here, once we allow the Spirit more control of our lives, and he's able to do, he's able to work through us and do what only he can do to mold us and shape us uh, and grow us to look, you know, more like Jesus, which is what, you know, every desire of a Christian should be is to become, you know, more, more Christ-like. That's why you hear Christians say, we know them by our, by their fruit. Um, you're able to tell a, a true Christian who is working, um, who is allowing the spirit to work through them. Because you see that in their character. They don't have to say anything, but their actions tell that, you know, they're relying more on the spirit. They're letting go of those uh, fleshy desires. Um, and it shows in their lives. Look out for next week's podcast episode as we continue to talk about the fruits of the spirit. We hope that you learned a great deal and we hope that we help shed some light on God's word. Please share this podcast with others, family members, co-workers, or friends. Also hit that like, share, and subscribe button to receive notification on the latest content. And feel free to comment and share with us your thoughts on this episode. We're always inspired by what God not only does in our lives, but yours as well. Look out for the next episode from the Truth Expositors. And until then, may God bless you and you be a blessing. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.